Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the Realist Debate Channel on YouTube. <laughs> we, Muslims. we are joined here with Home Base featuring two very special guests, Brother Gabriel Al Romani and Mahdi Tijani. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Kum salam. Kum salam. So, what time is it respectively where you guys are at? Fadl Akhi Gabriel. Fadl, Fadl. It's 11 p.m. for me, bro. It is 6 a.m. for me. There we go. There we go. And it's 6 p.m. for us three. All right. So I want to give a quick shout out first and foremost to all our beautiful brothers and sisters who tuned in. Jazakallah khair for making the time, being in the comments, going crazy. However, please try to keep it respectful. Please try not to spam, you know, any bots, guys. We're going to get the moderators to handle that. All right. With that being said, Rami. What's on your mind, bro? Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam, ala rasulillah, amma ba'd. Um, not much to be honest. I think we should just, inshallah, get right into it. Um, I guess, you know, I'll kind of moderate a little bit for the sake of uh, transparency and order. So, bismillah. So, subhanallah, Mahdi, we had you on the podcast for the first episode, Wealth and Entrepreneurship and all that. Alhamdulillah, really good advice there. Wasn't really big, you know, an issue at all. I enjoyed the episode, alhamdulillah. <clears throat> Second episode came around and we had this uh, very big discussion, alhamdulillah, talking about single motherhood. That was the aim of it and all of that. And there's a lot of points made, right? So, for example, one of the points made was uh, divorcees and what Islam says or what we can derive from Islamic um, um, scripture or Islamic text about divorcees and what the Prophet, alayhi salatu salam, said, did this, that, the other, uh, this, that, and the other. So, Brother Gabriel, in the discussion we just had recently, you had a bit of a, a refutation or a clarification on the usul that was used and how it doesn't exactly add up in the uh, you know the proper shari form. So, do you want to, inshallah, begin there, either of you? Gabriel. Well, I think. Uh... It's better if Mahdi starts to maybe explain to us a bit better, inshallah, what he means. So we give him the benefit of the doubt, man. You know, last time we had the discussion without him. It's only fair that we bring him on. So bismillah. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> for those of you who are, who, who are in this platform right now, you watched both the podcasts. So it's difficult for me to know where to start without understanding precisely what point it is you would like me to clarify. So if we start from that angle, okay. what point specifically would you like me to go over? And then we can take it from there. Okay, let me start then. Bismillah, alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalam rasulillah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma alimna ma yanfa'na. Wanfa'na bima lam tana wa zidna ilman. Allahumma arina haqqa haqqa wa zukna tiba wa arina batila batila wa zukna. for people to spectate and to I don't even know what's going on on YouTube the objective behind this discussion is to basically clarify a few things that have been said I've checked some of the shows that you've made some of the posts brother Mahdi I don't really know you this is the first time we actually talk kind of face-to-face -face on this platform we haven't actually communicated before so as I said in my previous podcast with the brothers as well, 
you know, we have to be be fair to you. We have to be honest in what. This is a brother in Islam. Who I might your, your audio is just slightly just delaying every now and then. I think it's the internet, not the okay, mic. I'm, yeah, it's not the mic. No, it's no, probably it's, the internet. It's the, I'll try yeah. to. So I think maybe just some misunderstanding. So I looked at some of your some of your videos and looked at some of that you've said in the past. Oh, you've said that you've made many mistakes in the past, and I'm not here to to judge you. I'm just here to uh, correct a few misconceptions, okay? And I think we're going to keep it to a few points. Number one is the issue of red pill, whether it's compatible with Islam, and the issue that you hold or the position that you hold on marrying divorced uh, women. So these are basically the things that I want to uh, clarify. And number one, um, I don't believe whatsoever that red that Islam is compatible with red pill. You kind of make the point about red hey, pill being about your, truth. Your internet, your internet. Um, as yeah. you were about to make a point, if you could repeat that. Okay, I'm not sure why this is lagging. Let me maybe close some of these. Fire, should be. Fired your no. bro. Yeah, no worries. Um, Aki Gabriel, if you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't mind closing all your tabs that you're not using, because a lot of the time StreamYard uses a lot of bandwidth. I, I'm, I, I mean, they're they're closed. There, there's nothing heavy on my side. It, it's good now. You can continue, bro. Dave. Let's open. Let's see here. Should work. Okay, so so what I said is that red pill is not compatible to Islam. Saying red pill is compatible with Islam. Just because it, the concept of red pill, which comes from the matrix, right? You take either the red pill or the blue pill. It's kind of like saying that, you know, well, uh, the monotheism or tawhid of the Christians is, is tawhid. Uh, yeah, they're talking about tawhid and oneness of God. But when you actually go to their theology and you look at the details, then you find that it's totally incompatible with what Islam says. So in concept, in principle, you can say... Follow the red pill. Wake up. Cool. All right, concept-wise. But when you actually go down to the details and you look, for example, who proposes these theories that come from red pill, you know, such as Tomasi and others who cannot put two sentences together without saying the F word, um, you can see the type of discussions they usually hold. And others, be it the guy who is what, entrepreneurs in cars, be it uh, fresh and fit guys, right? May Allah guide the Sudani brother. So, you know what I mean? It's like when you actually look at the details, you'll find that it's not compatible with Islam. I'm in the field of psychology. You can say, well, the, the study of the psyche, of the mind and the soul, the relationship. But when, yeah, I can say, man, Islam is all about that, right? Imam Ghazali has the model of the human soul and the mind in Al-Hiya Al-Muddin. You can say it's compatible. When you go to analyze the theories in psychology, you'll find that are, they're coming from an atheistic perspective. God is not there. God is a concept for human beings to help them to, you know, understand the, what's not understandable in the world. So I'm a major in psychology. I've come from that background. Do I believe psychology is compatible with Islam? 
I mean, when you get to the nitty gritty of things, then you'll find that, yes, there are some things there that are just observable truths or things that you can test. But is it really compatible with Islam in all principles? You'll find that no. So I would make the argument uh, that, you know, when someone says something is compatible with Islam, you basically have to, to prove that, you know what I mean? And when you, I would say that if anyone reads their stuff, boy, men and women, whatever it is, they'll find certain things that they can resonate with. But in general, you'll find that it's not compatible. It, what they talk about, be it who proposes this, like which scholar or alim of Islam, past or present, would uphold such things. If you're talking about just the concept of truth, all right, hey, let's all swallow the truth, whatever you want to call it, red pill and so on. That's what Islam is about. Indeed, truth has come and it knocks falsehood out. Indeed, falsehood is bound to be knocked. So that's something that I would say I'll leave it for the first point. And the second point about divorcees, maybe I didn't understand. We'll do one point at a time. Should we address your first point? All right. Yeah. All right. Before you go, bro, right. I would advise that we try to keep the whole thing as a goal, one and a half hours in. Um, take about five-ish minutes for this main point, if that's enough time for you, uh, Mahdi. And do start with a brief introduction. What is the red pill? Because a lot of people don't, don't have any clue of what we're talking about. Sure. So before I get to, to that, you know, explaining what the red pill is, um, I, I have another question for Brother Gabriel, and that is, Outside of the matrix uh, illustration you gave, because there's a lot of different um, people who lay claim to that, you know, we're woke. Mm -hmm. Even those on the far left claim to be red pill because they're woke, mashallah, right? So from a perspective of this discussion of intersexual relationship dynamics, what is your understanding of the red pill? I, there's, I don't think this point is relevant, bro. I'm trying to tell you. You've said red pill is compatible with Islam. We want you to clarify that. I'm not here it's to not be questioned about what my understanding of the red pill is. You're basically dodging the point. The point is, is red pill in its form, whatever you want to call it, is it compatible with Islam? Red pill is known. We know who the proponents are. Whoever claims right to it or names to it, you know where the red pill, blue pill comes from. All right. It's about being awakened. Okay. So we want you to explain to us where the red pill is compatible with Islam. What are the evidences for that? Simple as that. It's not my understanding of the red pill. We could go in a discussion for two hours. You this need to explain to us. This is, is important. this is an important point to establish because until we establish a foundation, we can't build a house. So for me to know how to best address this with you specifically, I will repeat my question. It's not a point. My question is, what is your understanding of the red pill from a perspective of intersexual relationship dynamics? My brother, we've been discussing or what I've had an issue with and a lot of the community is, how your understanding of the red pill led you to believe that you shouldn't be in general marrying divorced women, right? Based on what I've looked at from your lectures and what you've put out there. So my point is, I'm not here to be questioned about what's my understanding of the red pill with regards to intersexual relationships. It's not about 
I mean, you can say, okay, until we have a foundation, we don't have discussion. That's what I'm trying to get to you, for you to explain to us, okay? As we said, we had a discussion, there's been some accusations made of you, and we just want to understand where, how can you explain to us statements what, that you've made, such as that these things are compatible, uh, we are all wrong in understanding a red pill, uh, you've made a video, uh, reaction to my video as to why so many men, Muslim men, follow red pill. Okay, I was speaking mm -hmm. in general about what red pill is. For example, uh, you know, Roald Tomasi and his Rational Man book, right? I was reading through it. Someone sent it as a, um, as a gift. Okay, this guy is someone who pushes the understanding of red pill. What I told you is that in concept, about if it's about truth or waking up, hey, we can say, yes, cool, no problem. But when it is about a movement, and specifically, let's be specific then, how it looks at divorced women, okay, pair bonding, um, what you've been saying about and advising people not to marry divorced women, you know, how that is linked to your understanding of what's sunnah and what's not, based on the afwal and aqwal of the Prophet ﷺ, if you want me to get specific then. This is what we need to discuss, not what's my understanding of, of what you know of yeah. red pill and how it relates to. Okay, I think I mean, Mahdi, then there's no Mahdi, point Mahdi. to discuss. I mean, there's no discussion. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so listen, Mahdi can you know correct me if by, by all means if I'm wrong, bro. Uh, inshallah, but my point, my, my point is everything is halal until it's proven haram. So Mahdi is coming from a point of view where it's like you have your contention, your point, your viewpoint that red pill is not compatible with Islam. And Mahdi has a point that it is. So from a, from that strict perspective, he's asking for any points that you know you could bring up, as in what is your understanding of red pill, so he can understand why you think it's haram or why it's not compatible with Islam. Okay, all right, fine. Let's uh, get a bit more specific. It seems that now I have to explain myself, <laughs> as opposed to Brother Mahdi having to explain himself. Okay, number one, red pill cannot be compatible with Islam because it's coming from a position of kufr. All right. Um, it is mostly coming from a position of, if you look at the writings, of non-Muslims who usually based it on their experience, especially like Tomasi, he's a, he's a behaviorist. He calls himself at the beginning of the book a behaviorist. And others is what they have experienced from their skewed experience of life. Uh, yes, they do cite, you know, some, uh, they do cite, uh, some statistics and so on, but in general, it has nothing to do with Islam. Islam is very clear. It has foundations. It has legal maxims. It has specific things that are based on wahi, what is revelation from Allah the Almighty, which cannot be at fault. While the red pill, it has what's called kalam or philosophy of human beings. Ahlul kalam and Ahlul wahi have been debating and discussing these issues for a long time. Okay, philosophers have been detrimental to Islam for a long time. Have they brought some benefit? No doubt about it. That's what we're saying. Is there some truth and certain things that are decent or could be understood within Red Pill? I've said that many times. All right. Is it compatible with Islam? Is it something for young men to go into? And you can see the outcomes of that. Of course not. Because in the words of Brother Mahdi, the foundation is quicksand. You cannot build foundation on kufr. It's like Islamicizing education. I'm a school principal. I always deal with curriculum. People say you can take the Cambridge pathway. You can say you can take the common core standards. 
and Islamicize him. I always make the argument, you're Islamicizing something that is not Islamic. You're building your foundation or your house, in the words of Mahdi, on quicksand. Quran and Sunnah is not a philosophy. Quran and Sunnah is divinely revealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We base our mu'amalat, what Brother Fayyad, to correct you, said, everything is halal until it's proven otherwise. Well, yeah, in the mu'amalat, in the dealings of human beings, okay? But here, when you study their books or you read through their books, just take the rationale man, okay, by Rola Tomasi. If anyone reads that book, can you say that this is compatible with Islam? Okay, the way Brother Mahdi talks about divorced women. Is it coming from Quran and Sunnah or is it coming from Red Pill? Because if that would be the only evidence to... Base, to justify, basically, if Brother Mahdi is a proponent of the red pill, for example, um, the way the languages that he uses, calling guys, you know, cook and uh, swearing and using bad words. Well, again, I would say Allah, the from Wahi, يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر فيأكل خير يسمت. Whoever believes in Allah and the last day, let him say something good or keep quiet. You know what I mean? If you're telling me that that's what we can observe. From your behavior, what you propose, how you talk about uh, divorced women, body counts as if there will be murders. Body counts are usually used for, you know, for people who killed someone. How many body counts did you have in murder, in killing? Right? If these, this is the kind of language that comes out of red pill, then I don't think there is a discussion whether that is compatible with Islam or not. Now, this is something quite simple. So, wahi. Quran and Sunnah, Qala Allah, Qala Rasul, versus Qala Rolo Tomasi, Qala, you know, uh, entrepreneurs in cars, or fresh and fit, or whatever scientist or statistics or research you want to use. If that's your ultimate truth, and that is truth, then hey, you know what I mean? That's your uh, right. point that you're coming from. But we basically, when we look at something in this life, be it ibadat, Worshipping Allah, be it mu'amalat, dealings with people, the Quran and Sunnah come first. And that is why, forget about simps and women and this and that. It's very easy to, to dismiss people by saying, oh, they're just, you know, simps, they're just the youth, they're just this and that. It, it's not about that, man. It's about, you can see the outcomes when people, you know, you try to explain to people, from an understanding of the Quran and Sunnah, if a person is Muslim, he has got no argument. He's got to submit. You know what I mean? But if you're coming from that perspective of red pill, you can see the outcomes yeah. and the problems that you can get yourself in. All right. There's there's one thing I want to make clear because I, I don't know if it was clear because when I heard Brother Gabriel say it, it didn't exactly click in my head, but I do understand like the point because I thought of it as well. So this, this concept of halal until proven haram applies for Sharia. It applies for the Sharia, the Islamic, you know, law, uh, whether it's upon the community, the individual, so on and so forth, right? It does not, in any way, shape, or form, apply to Al-Qaeda belief. If I were to claim something about Allah, anything, I need evidence. I need evidence, right? I can't say it's halal for me to believe this until you prove it wrong. That's an argument from ignorance when it comes to Al-Qaeda. When it comes to Sharia, is it halal for me to, you know, touch this microphone and move it up and down? No one can say it's haram, and I don't need to prove it's halal. Just wanted to, to make that clear. Alhamdulillah. Barakallah fi akhi. Mahdi, go on bro. Bismillah. Okay. <clears throat> to, 
having heard you speak, Brother Gabriel, it sounds to me that the fear here is that this red pill, and I don't even like this name red pill, by the way, it sounds cringy now, but it sounds to me like the fear with red pill is that it's an ideology. Would I be correct in saying that? It is an ideology. Okay. 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 Um, what makes you say that? Well, because it has its proponents, it has its book, it's become a dean. It is a dean, okay? Like any other, right? Uh, ideology in the world, mm -hmm. be it communism, be it capitalism, mm -hmm. be it whatever. The Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A deen is a path of life. It's a way that's been adopted. Atheism is an ideology. It's a religion, actually, if you want to actually go down there. Uh, Satanism is a religion or an ideology. It's got books, mm -hmm. it's got people arguing that's, for it, people calling yeah. to it. It fits those. Mm -hmm. Okay. Red pill is not an ideology. It's a praxology. Are you familiar with the difference between the two terms? Okay, enlighten us. I mean, it's very easy to come up with, with terms or to discussion, but I think we're missing the point of the discussion, Brother Mahdi. We're getting you know to what the I mean? We're going... We'll get there. We'll get okay. there. We're getting to the point. All right. Some things take time. <clears throat> so an ideology, as you mentioned, it's, uh, it's an ism, either it's a religion, or it's an ism such as socialism, Marxism, communism. It's a, a group of individuals who come together and formulate some ideas. He pulled it from his pocket and he decided, today I invent socialism. Today I invent Marxism, atheism, on and on, right? Mm -hmm. Red pill is not an ideology. It's a praxology. And the definition of a praxology is one sentence, the study of human conduct and behavior. Okay. What's your evidence for that, for your claim right now? I, again, the question it needs to be formulated differently. If you, you claim that it is an ideology, the burden of proof is upon the claimant. No, my brother, because the red pill exists a um, hundred years ago, this name, this ideology. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the stream, that the term red pill has been hijacked by anyone who claims to be woke, right? My, even bro my brother. Even my brother. the far sorry, one moment. <clears throat> even the far leaning left have hijacked this term. But if we remove the frame, okay, let's 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 throw this frame away, red pill. Take away the frame. What are we left with? We are left with the praxology, the study of human conduct and behavior. I just want to interject. Okay, uh, this is yeah. I wanted to check. Right, so, um, with the with the praxology, and, and you claim it's it's just the study of human nature, right? So praxology, the study of human nature. There's no problem with studying human nature, right? But when an individual comes to certain conclusions based off of that, in which they are now viewing life in a way that's a practiceology, or they're teaching it or promoting it, it becomes an ideology because the definition of an ideology is basically um, a system of ideas or ideals. Now, it's, they're mainly political, right? Especially political ones, but that it's not limited to, to political endeavors. It could just be um, a series of ideas. Now, there is no one solid book on, um, on Red Pill. There is not, but it has morphed. The same way feminism has morphed over the years. Red Pill has morphed over the years, and perhaps it has been hijacked. But 
the truth of the matter is in a communal sense when you use the term red pill people don't look at it as a as a praxology and it's it's way it's it's morphed beyond that because now people are taking it and they're my making brothers, very like rulings my brothers my brothers we are here to discuss okay brother mahdi's understanding of how red pill is compatible with quran and sunnah specifically what he claims about divorced women very simple two points if you want to have another discussion about the definition of red pill and the philosophy whether it's a proxology or an ideology let's make another debate that i'm not really necessarily interested in because these are like debate tactics you know we're missing the point we are missing the point the important connection here is not just about the definition of red pill what it has led mehdi to believe and what he advocates on TikTok and on YouTube and on Instagram or wherever he is, what platforms? Five minutes in debating the issue of ideology, proxology. It's like, okay, proxology says who? Because you say it's the study of human nature. Well, psychology is a study of human nature, the psyche. Uh, Islam or the fitra, you could say, is the study of human knowledge. And you'll be like, prove it. Well, because I claim so, because it says in a book, I've asked you, was it defined as this 100 years ago? Was it the term even used 100 years? No. So someone took it out of the pocket. Someone conned or came with this term, red pill. It did not exist before, meaning as per your definition, be it Marxism or uh, sociology or whatever you, want, you, you, you used before, someone with this term. So you could, it's your opinion that it's a proxology and the study of human nature and so on. But it's not, all right? We need to discuss here what people see from Red Pill, what Red Pill is pushed to get, uh, today, not about being awakened or being you know, in line with what is truth. I told you already, just that concept itself is fine and dandy, bro. That is in line with, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us to the truth anyway. We don't need Rollo Tomasi or any other philosopher, psychologist or scientist for that matter to do and when you look throughout your the stuff that you put out there that's exactly the what you take call up woman call it this study call it this uh, other psychologist or uh, social scientist and we're saying call Allah call a Rasul it's very simple okay which one is going to take precedence brother Mahdi so I think let's get to the point that is linked to your understanding of red pill which is about divorced women and you encouraging men not to even uh, get married to divorced women uh, it's not a sunnah uh, not just that you're talking about body counts you are uh, disrespecting women who are divorced putting them all pretty much in the same plate talking and making a lot of claims about you know divorced women which again are not in line with the quran and sunnah mm -hmm. actually it is it is a lot uh, you know behave that you are missing here my brother time, time. Okay, shall I ask? <clears throat> Is Brother Gabriel still there? You there? Yeah, he's done, Go ahead. Yeah. So again, to reiterate the point before we move forward, because it's impossible to build out an, a proper discussion without establishing the foundations. Red pill. Keep going, sorry. Red pill at its core is a praxology, a study. Now, is it possible for people to run with that and turn it into a ism? Yes, definitely. It's definitely possible. But at its core, it is not an ideology, okay? It's no more of an ideology than Fayyad, who's in the fitness industry and decides one day he's going to establish his own type of training routine 
which gets you into shape. And he calls it Fayyad Fit. And many people flock to him to learn from him because he's successful and good at what he does. And he brings people results. Now, suddenly, this, this gathering becomes a little cultish. And they make a almost like an idol out of Fayyad. Now it's become an ideology. But at its core, Fayyad was simply teaching the people how to get into shape. And he was successful at doing so. That's a praxology. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So let's get then to the point. Uh, because that's not what you talk about in your videos. That's not what you are necessarily clarifying. Maybe you have done in some of your videos, but not that's not the main core, which is, again, evidence for your... You've taken, even I would make the accusation, you've taken Red Pill and this label and run away with it, have amalgamated it with Islam, have quoted a few hadith here and there, and you have tried to make certain points that are restricted to your personal experience in your marriages, maybe, which you already talk about. We alluded to these issues, your experiences with women in polygyny and so on and so forth. So you say in some of the videos, this is why you wake up every morning and you do it for free because you've gone, you've seen how it is. So you are fighting and trying to reduce divorce. Quote, you say, I'm not going to eliminate divorce, but at least I will try to reduce it. So it seems like, okay, fine. In your words, you've taken this concept and you've run with it and you've made up your own type of ideology uh, because the discussion, again, is not whether it's ideology or proxology, uh, going back I don't know how many years and who's taken it and who's... It's about you being claiming online about divorced women, all right? So you're dodging, again, what I'm trying to uh, raise here, why we are here to discuss this issue. And don't, you know, I mean, it's known to people what you've been claiming online. Yes, your TikTok account's been taken down. I think a few times, but people have saved some of your videos. I've actually taken some time to look at your videos. I've actually taken some time to analyze some of the things. This is what I would say is important. So yes, you take, you took the red pill. You've started saying that it's compatible with Islam. So you need to tell us how, because we don't understand. Me. Especially the way you present it. Okay, with using swear words, using bad words, uh, alluding to different studies and so on, and basically specifically to this point of how men, Muslim men, should not marry divorced women. Uh, it's high body count, okay, like murder. Um, we shouldn't forgive them. Allah forgives them for their past, but we shouldn't. So explain to us how is that compatible with Quran and Sunnah? What are you trying to preach to people? Forget about whether the people get upset or not, bro. Simps or feminists or this and that. Uh, to agree with one thing that I believe is very important uh, is Brother Fayyad, what he said. Feminism is bleeding into the ummah. I totally agree, 100%. 110%, I agree. And I understand, Brother Mahdi, may Allah yani, protect you and guide you, that you are trying to do some work you've had some experiences uh, in your life not because i'm saying this is because you've said that in your videos and your TikToks, and that is my argument that your experiences are skewed and so is your vision of what married women are of your advice to young men who will take these advices look at you and say okay um i'm not gonna do this mistake that brother mehdi has done as well so you're you're saying online bro 
as the Prophet said, everyone is responsible for who's below them. You are taken as some kind of a public figure, even though you've said, I'm not a student of knowledge, I'm not this, I'm not that. We're going to get to some of the Sharia terms that you've been used and how you've understood them from a usul fiqh perspective. But basically, you're responsible, bro, for what you are saying. I'm trying to tell you here and to advise you as your brother. And I can see already Fayad that is very excited to, uh, to maybe even jump in. But we have to be honest here, bro. We have to be as honest as possible. We are analyzing some of the things that you've claimed and some of the compatibilities you've claimed be between whether it's red pill in its core or as you have taken it and made it and uh, Islamicized it, uh, as you can see from your videos or whatever. It's the burden of proof is upon you to show us that what you are preaching is compatible with Islam. Let's go more specific then. Uh, and more specific to with regards to divorced uh, women. Okay, so firstly and foremostly, let's talk about my personal experiences and that general question or that general angle. When people ask me, oh, it's because of your bad experiences or have you been hurt or who hurt you? My response to them is the following. That's not a good question. And the reason why is as follows. That question drags us into the feelings world and uh, it doesn't require, require us to intellectually challenge the argument itself. Why? Because if I say, yes, I've been hurt, then immediately the people can go away and say, ah, that's why he thinks like that. And there's no need to, to exert any intellectual calories because now we have a reason. And if I say no, the people will say he's lying. He has been hurt. So I say to you, let's put that question to the side. Let's put that point to the side. Whether I have been hurt or haven't been hurt, it's irrelevant because it drags the level of the discussion down. And then my question back to you is, specifically, what point do you take issue with? And let's address that at an intellectual level. And okay. Akhi, Brother Gabriel, let's, let's go one point to another point. So let's stick to one, one single point at a time. I've been sticking, bro, to two points this whole time. Number one is the issue of Mahdi's understanding, let me be more specific, of red pill, how he's Islamicized it, and how that leads into or bleeds to the concept of what he is proposing online about and, and encouraging young men not to marry, or any men not to marry divorced women which is causing a huge okay. problem all Perfect. right i don't want to get into now uh, details because you're going to say i'm adding a point but just to respond mm -hmm. to mehdi i agree with you bro we shouldn't be talking about our personal experiences and i don't think i use the word hurt uh i don't think where did you put that in i didn't use that whether you were hurt or not that's up to you man i'm not in your shoes however back at you bro why do you use then your personal experiences you yourself in your videos not as that is you know kind of like an argument from experience but you also talk about certain issues of your past and certain you know uh, legal issues that you've had which has no point i would argue the same thing let's get to the intellectual discussion that's where my point is the intellectual discussion the correct discussion would be based on quran and sunnah based on objective measures of issues that you have claimed, not on your personal experiences, whether you've been divorced and how many, many women you married and why it failed and what you advise men not to you know, do polygyny and why you advise them not to do polygyny. 
and you know whether you've uh, sorry physically reprimanded your wife or your child what's the point of you putting those things i mean i would advise you as your brother okay this deen is advice so i advise you brother to keep your matters your personal matters to yourself i would say then a lot of people would maybe listen to you more for example if you were cut the swearing and you would keep your personal matter so take this advice that you just given me three minutes ago and apply it to yourself my brother and then go ahead and see i think people react a little bit different to you as opposed to when you talk about your personal experiences or how you reprimanded your son or your daughter physically and how you were charged for that and you know then because yeah then you're right people are actually going to intellectually switch off and they're going to go emotionally so you're telling us you're preaching us to us that hey let's not go emotionally let's turn on intellectually i'm telling the same thing apply this rule to yourself I think you would reduce some of the negative impact that you are causing online. Simple. So the only time I draw upon personal experiences is if I have first come forward with either a study or some type of statistic that I quote first. And if I happen to have had personal experience with, relation, with, re, with regards to that statistic, then I will quote it. Otherwise, I don't. So, I mean, that doesn't uh, refute the point that I just made, bro. It just emphasizes it. But carry on, man. I, I stick to the advice that I give you, my brother, from the bottom of my heart, okay? Just keep your private matters to yourself. Speak academically. Quote the studies, whatever you want to. I think people might listen to you a bit better. When you bring in your personal experiences, okay. what you've done to your wife and your son, I believe that's not something that's going to yeah. be in your favor. So, Brother Gabriel's point about you Islamicizing red pill, uh, what would you say to that? It's not an Islamic matter. It's not a religious matter any more than Fayyad fit, Fitness Enterprises. So, why do you quote hadith uh, or trying to bring the two together? You've been using. and mixing it with what you are trying to prove. So, how is it not a religious matter? Okay. So. You, you correctly stated that I make it very clear to the people. I do not position myself as an Islamic authority. And if I make a mistake with regards to the deen, I expect to be checked, which is why we're having this conversation right now. I am not a da'i. I am not a talib ilm. I am not an Islamic authority. Okay? This is very important. Now, what was your question again? Remind me, sorry. I forgot your question. Fayad or myself? Yourself, Brother Gabriel. Your question has left my mind. Oh, why do I oh, bring no, in... I think, yeah, you said code. this is not an Islamic matter. Right, mm. yes. So the only time I will bring in an ayah, a hadith, uh, an ayah of the Quran or a hadith, is if it's clear, bayin. For me, it's bayin. And if it's not, I expect to be checked. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ said, minni ayah. And I'm a Muslim. Pass on from me, even if it is one ayah. And I'm a Muslim aslan. So I'm proud of my deen. And if I can share something with regards to the deen, I will share it. But if I make a mistake with that, and this is why I'm very careful with the deen, because I have a lot of people say to me, you need to bring more hadith in, you need to bring more ayat and so on. And I say to the people, listen, I am not an Islamic authority. And if I say something that goes against the deen, then the burden of proof is upon the claimant. Can you, okay. can you elaborate on that last so, point, please? On, you said the burden of proof is on the claimant, right? 
So if I, okay. yeah, so if someone comes forth and they say like, um, you know, what you just said is un-Islamic, you're saying that the person that's claiming it's un-Islamic uh, needs to provide evidence, right? You get, get okay. closer to the mic, bro. Yeah, okay. bro, you're a little yeah. too far. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to clear that up. Yes. Oh, no, Gabriel, okay. you're good, bro. No, 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 Gabriel, your mic is fine. I'm talking about Ronnie. a little too far from the mic. Oh, okay. Jazakallah khair. Why? All right. Okay, okay. That, that's, that's a good point. Uh, Brother Mahdi, I appreciate that, that you said that, and I've seen that through your videos that you have claimed that you are not a talibul ilm, as you said, or a faqih, and I, I respect that. Okay, that's, that's great, mashallah. That's a good start. However, uh, it's very easy to claim something and say, Qala Allah, Qala Rasul. That is like, that's it, right? You say, uh, you, you basically made an injunction within the deen. So you've said that in one of your videos with Brother Hamza, uh, you're reacting in Sister Milat. You're using the word qatain or qat. Like this is, there's no discussion about it. And it's easy to then retract and say, well, I'm not an Islamic scholar because that kind of protects you. So if I make a mistake, hey guys, I'm not an Islamic scholar. But if I want to prove my point, qala Allah, this is sunnah. This is a sunnah. This is not the sunnah. Prove to me that there's any ayah or hadith that says or recommends. Okay, you've used the issues of mustahab or makruh in definition. So you're talking like an Islamic scholar, but then when you are cross-referenced or checked, then you say, well, I'm not an Islamic scholar. You know, I, I, I can't be pushed in this. But I, I, I expect to be uh, challenged or... or, or uh, crossed or referenced or to be corrected when i i'm wrong so but that kind of puts you in this safe position that no matter what you do you know you kind of not accountable for what you are saying so, my so you, i don't think this is correct my brother my question to you is then what position of mine do you take issue with from a shara'i standpoint mm -hmm. very good very good excellent oh no your discussion or what you are saying are we are we being heard no, no, yeah. can you start again yeah you're good you're good right. start over all right all right so it is your understanding and what you have been telling people of what is a sunnah and what is not a sunnah with regards to mar uh, previously married women or divorced women okay and this in the sharia uh, you know, are called as a tayyibah, okay, or a'immu, okay, these are the two terms of the Quran and Sunnah. Okay, that this is, Muslim community should stop saying this is a Sunnah, that this is not a Sunnah, even though in the video that you react to Brother Hamza, uh, minute 28, you say it is a Sunnah, but it's not the sunnah it is a sunnah but it's not the sunnah then you go to uh, elaborate on that and then you're basically talking about you know what is the af'al and the aqwal of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam meaning what are the uh, sayings or the doings of the prophet sallallahu alayhi how one takes precedence over the other his pole or his speech takes precedence over his action and this is an issue because it's not black and white like that. So you've taken that, which is a Sharia perspective, even though you're not a Talib.
point that men should not marry women who are previously divorced because they have high body counts, their pair bond is a problem, you know, and also uh, a lot of negative or n negative words that you've been using about any man who would do that, such as I think one, I know it's a, it's a, I think a British term, a cook or something. Uh, sorry, I, I really, uh, okay, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Let's okay. address one point at a time, Achim Gabriel. So the first right, thing, bro. I'm not telling men not to. I am asking, if you come to me and ask me for advice, Mahdi, there's a sister, she's come to me, she's got five ex-husbands, and God knows what happened in her jahiliyyah. What mm -hmm. do you think about this? I will say to him, run for the hills. I thoroughly recommend you do not marry her, because a woman's mm -hmm. pair bonding ability with a man is, is compromised as she goes from one sexual partner to the next. The studies on this are clear. Now, your response has been in the past, but where's your proof from the Quran and Sunnah? Mm -hmm. um, my response to you is this. If my background, my, uh, my bachelor's degree is in sports and exercise science, okay? I graduated in 2013. In sports and exercise science, you study a variety of different subjects, biomechanics, nutrition, psychology, the sports psychology, anatomy and physiology, mm -hmm. so on. It's well established in sports that if you perform a warm-up of 10 to 15 minutes before the actual competitive activity, that you are much less likely to get injured than if you don't perform the warm-up. Now, if I come onto YouTube and I tell the people, <laughs> I have learned such and such, and the studies on this are clear, that if you perform a 15-minute warm-up before your workout, you're less likely to get injured. Is there a burden of proof upon me to find an ayah or a hadith from the Quran and Sunnah to prove this? There, there would be if you're claiming this within an Islamic context. Uh, I, I like your example, but it's not applicable. We're talking here about uh, divorced women, all right? From an Islamic perspective or psycholo psychological perspective, what is the study that shows that women who have been divorced, and you have to make a distinction, bro. When you look at studies, divorced how many times? Once, that's a divorced woman. That's a tayyibah in Islam. It is a woman who is, or ayyam, okay, uh, ayyimu, sorry. Uh, so these are the two terms that are used in the Sharia. If she's divorced, one. Three times, a hundred times. Is there a dis difference in the study between that? Are your studies showing? That difference between that are the studies that you're quoting applying to Muslim women in Indonesia or in Malaysia or in India or Pakistan or is it, are these studies applied to American women non-Muslim uh, what what are you basically proving here please try to be a bit more specific when you are quoting these studies so then the burden of proof can be on the person who claims because if you just say the studies are clear which studies can you please tell us and the details of the study so in psychology you look at different variables and okay so you have to control variables why so that the claim that you make in the end your conclusion can be scientific all right so i'm sure you've taken a study yes i understand that you're a smart guy i can see that i can see that you read a lot problem is are these studies applying to the muslim community here we're talking about you're advising young muslim men you're advising Muslim, you're talking about nikah, you're using terms of sunnah, you're using terms of Islam. So my question to you, the burden of proof is on you, brother. Are these studies 
to American women, apply to American women, Western women? Okay. So I can bring red you... pill. Uh, mm. Are we there? Yeah. I could bring you these studies. I don't have them to hand on me right now. I could bring them and it still wouldn't add any benefit to this discussion. But I have a question. And that question is this, Brother Gabriel. I present to you two sisters. One of them's never been married before. One of them's been married a hundred times. Which one do you prefer to marry? I'll marry the one that is has more taqwa. That's a good answer. So I'll, provi I'll provide a better context to that discussion. I bring you two sisters and all other things being equal, taqwa, iman, beauty, so on. One of them has been married, never been married before. And the other has been married a hundred times. Which are you more inclined towards? Uh, how many women do you know that have been married a hundred times, brother? No, I'll tell you why this important. No, no, it's not for the sake of argument, brother Fayad. You have to understand, bro. If you're coming from a scientific background and you want to use a certain example, make sure the example is applicable, my brother. If you tell me two women have taqwa and beauty mm -hmm. and one has been married, okay, five times or three times, I can say, yeah, but I mean, me as a counselor for 17 years, I haven't encountered woman who's been married five i've been counts an average of eight people per day and 70 percent of those are women so at least it's a sample population that is way uh, above maybe what mahdi has experienced maybe through his interactions but as a as a professional counselor i have not met yet a female within the ummah who's married five times yet okay so when you use when you use at least an example, let it be applicable. When you tell me one and 100, there's a shock effect there, brother. It's like one, 100. Okay. I mean, but, 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 but it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good point. I want to just, if you don't allow me, just this number 100, okay? To see whether it has an impact on a person's uh, taqwa in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or in the sight of of who this person is. Because in the end, when you marry someone, the most important thing that you look at, as the Prophet said, marry a woman for four. Mm -hmm. Okay? They didn't say about anything. I said for her religion is the priority. Not the only thing. Shaykh Ibn yeah. Thaymin talks about that you can marry her for all four reasons if you can get it. All right? So Shaykh Salih al-Munajjid was asked in the fatwa whether there's a difference between a married woman and in the sight of subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said that, that he quoted the hadith and the ayah, sorry, in the Akramakum in Dallahi Atqaqum. It's about taqwa, it's about the religion. She could have been married five times, which is a more you know reasonable example to give. <laughs> but maybe the guys that she was basically with divorced her. In the Muslim Ummah, Saudiya, the Khalij, including the northern African countries that Brother Mahdi has his origins from, okay, there are a lot of divorces that are initiated for many reasons not just from the women's side throughout okay the yeah. past few years wait are you cutting out my point is that we need to look at it's not just like oh one versus a hundred mm -hmm. all right even if you go to this example does this take away let's use the word body count that brother mahdi has been using the famous hadith of the prophet because mahdi says in his uh, video to Hamza, he says uh, at, I think, he basically said, it's not my, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives you, 
you know, uh, the person who has done something wrong before, a hundred men, okay, she slept with a hundred men. It's like the person who has, uh, if they make tawbah, it's like the person who never sinned. He says, I agree with that, man. I don't give you. Allah forgives you. I don't have to. Subhanallah, how can we say that when the first hadith that you learn in Talabul Aim, the first ijazah you get is Ar-Rahimuna Yarhamuhum Ar-Rahman. Arhamu man fi ard Yarhamukum man fi sama. The people who have mercy, the one, the most merciful will have mercy on them. Have mercy on those who are on earth, the one who is in heaven will have mercy on you. So if Brother Mahdi doesn't want to forgive a woman who's had five body counts, let me use his language, or has been married five times, which is, again, in my experience, personally, I have not met yet one. I don't know how many you've met, Fayyad, and I don't know how, brother. Mm -hmm. Okay. Telling. With about eight people, wait, let me finish my point. With about yeah, eight people off, per day, uh, I have not come. Yeah. So, and if, if this is the first hadith that you learn in, it, that you get an ijazah in, when you study, and inshallah, I recommend Brother Mahdi to do a bit of Islamic studies, inshallah, just as Fayyad and, you know, Brother Rami is doing. But if this is the first ijazah, and the scholars say, why? Because you have to understand mercy and how you deal with people. Okay, and that everyone has a chance to repent and come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Speaking about a hundred, the famous hadith that we all know, the man who killed nine, and then he killed that hundred. Did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not enter him into Jannah? Okay, so I mean, to be honest, whether you tell me like one in a hundred, other than the shock effect, you're still not making a point, bro. You need to take each case separately. The, the Sharia looks at each case separately. Each woman separately, each problem separately. As a counselor, each woman has a specific reason for marriage, for divorce, for problems. A fatwa has its specifics. There is no mufti or no psychologist even that just says, hey, this is 100, this is one. Which one would you choose? No, they look at each case separately. And that, that he's been putting everyone on the same plate you know, and I think if you were to clarify things a bit more, if you were to say, look, guys, when you do the, the vetting and if you find that she has a huge history and it keeps repeating over and over again, then yes, person, a person would move with caution. But when you frame your arguments by using negative words, swear words, uh, calling women having high body counts like they murdered someone, okay, and then saying that Allah will forgive you, I don't have to forgive you, encouraging young men, as you said, to run to the hill, Man, I think you're being unfair, not only to Muslim women, but to Islam in general mm -hmm. and what you were trying to preach. Okay. Shall I go? Okay, okay. I just wanted to say one thing that if we could keep your answers, you know, within two, three minutes, we can get somewhere. Because if one person speaks like 10 minutes at a time, the other person goes like 20 seconds. Is gonna take yes, yeah. yes, Fayyad. But remember, the burden of proof is on me, right? It seems that it's been twisted on me. So I'll make the burden of proof, bro. I'll go all the way out, brother. Uh, and just to add to that, if he said, does, the, does this his personal experience add to the discussion? Yeah, it doesn't. So then why even bring it up in his videos? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't add to this intellectual discussion, it does not add to his videos. Okay. It does not add to his... Okay. I, I'm advised, brother, from the bottom of my heart, man. Okay. So, so, yes, so just to answer that, I, I answered that question already. But I'll, I'll, I'll answer it again. I only bring my personal experiences into play if I have first quoted a study or some type of research first. Aside from that, anecdotal experience is uh, oftentimes worthless, right? 
Okay. Now, the reason why I use an extreme example with you is uh, many years ago, I used to sit in the class of Sheikh Abu, Abu Sahib al-Bassam, who was a student of Sheikh al-Bani, rahimullah, and he used to teach al-Fiqh al-Sunnah. And he mentioned in Fiqh that if you want to explain a concept, a concept that might be difficult, the, the Fuqaha often use extreme examples to make the principle easy to understand. That is why I gave you an extreme example. But to, for the purpose of entertaining your, your concern with that, I will reframe my question differently. I present to you two sisters with all other variables being equal in terms of their taqwa, in terms of their uh, beauty to you, and so on and so forth. One of them has never been married before, and the other one has been married five times. You will be her sixth husband. Which one are you more inclined towards? I would sit with both of them. I would vet both of them. And I would pick the one that connects best to me in terms of Islam, taqwa, in terms of understanding of life. It depends on the situation. Okay. If you have sit, sit in the Usul al-Fiqh class with Sheikh Albani student, you would understand that principles of fiqh don't go just based on like, here's five, here's one. It goes based on situations, as I've been telling you. Okay, what's the point of you claiming you're not a student of knowledge, then you're saying, I've been sitting with the... Uh, with Sheikh, uh, you know, uh, so-and-so, Fulan and Fulan. You know, brother, you need to pick what you're trying to say here because Just you're kind of jumping left, left and right. What I'm trying to say is, brother, I would pick the woman that I would vet and that's what I would recommend to all the men. They have to do their homework. I'm not saying, yeah, yeah, just take the one with five or just take the one with one. It depends. If you look at the hadith of Jabr, okay, that you have quoted, right, about the recommendation of marrying a virgin that the Prophet ﷺ gave to Ja'bar when means his position saying that I have sisters and this hadith comes in different riwayas and he says I didn't want this virgin woman to interfere between me or cause a problem between me and my sisters so then I married a matron okay just to use the the uh, the the English word so the Prophet وسلم, said, did he discourage him? He said, Fadaka idhan. This is better. Fadaka idhan. This is better. So the Prophet was presented with the context. Jabir made his argument. Right? So the Prophet at the beginning said, Yeah, why don't you marry a virgin so you can play with her? She can play with you. And Jabir explained his circumstance. So the Prophet said, For in this case, this is better for you. So now the ruling has changed. It would have been Muslim. Prophet said, hey, we're virgin. And then the Prophet ﷺ, when he understood context, he said, this is better for you, Jabber. This is what I'm trying to say, my brother Mahdi. When you are preaching to people and you're calling people, it's not just a hundred or one. You need to look at each case separately. I'm telling you because you said you're a Muslim. So if you're a Muslim, it's not necessarily that you're teaching people usul or fiqh or fiqh or aqidah is that you say you're a Muslim, you are reaching out to Muslim people, you are quoting Quran and Hadith, at least do it properly. At least do some studies and understand that you are responsible. You cannot say, I'm not a student of knowledge. Ah, when the responsibility comes upon you and people question... Concepts are brought in and usul principles are brought in, qawaid are brought in, then, well, I don't think the burden of proof will lay upon me now. It lays upon you, brother. So... Please understand context, each, each ruling, each difference. So if it's one woman, 
As Jabir says, this virgin could have been a problem for me. And the Prophet endorses that. He sees the issue. She could have been a problem. What does he say? He says, she could have come between me and my sisters. Why? Because virgins need extra time. Virgins are a bit not so, you know, basically accustomed to the challenges of life because she's a virgin. Mm -hmm. Okay, not experienced yet with life. So in the case of Ja'bar, radiallahu an, this situation of him marrying a matron, a previously married woman, was better as the Prophet ﷺ said, فَذَاكَ إِذَانَ This is better for you. قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ And this hadith is authentic. So just to address your original point, just because I have sat in a class, doesn't, or I sat in the, a class of uh, Shaykh Abu Zahib al-Bassam, doesn't mean I'm claiming to be a student of knowledge. But can you see what's happening here, Brother Gabriel? If I quote from the Quran and Sunnah, I am immediately questioned upon my credentials to be able to cite and quote as you have just done so. And when I don't quote Quran and Sunnah, the people come to me and say, why don't you quote Quran and Sunnah? So okay. I have been placed on the horns of a dilemma and the way I respond to that is very simple. If there is something I know of the deen, I'll share it. And if there isn't, I won't. And if somebody has taken issue with a statement I have made and it's in conflict with the deen, then yes, the burden of proof is upon that person. Now, you mentioned the, the, the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anh, and I absolutely. And you keep mentioning that, you know, you will look at the sister and according to her situation and you will judge and so on. I agree. There are divorcee sisters who are absolute gems, diamonds. You have to dig for them. Okay. Wow. Right. But we don't deal with possibilities. We deal with probabilities. And on a bounce of probabilities, you are more likely to have success with a sister who's not been married before than a sister who has. And I will end this part of my what, my speech with the, this hadith. I will just read it word for word. You know, somebody sent it to me. Utba uh, ibn Uwaym narrated that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Marry virgin women, for they have sweeter mouths, more fertile wounds, and are more content with what is little. Mm -hmm. And this hadith is, uh, what's the rating of this hadith, my brother? I don't know the rating. It is a, a hadith that is called Hassan, according to Imam Albani. And the hadith that I quoted to is Sahih. So yes, it is important to also understand how we use proof, my brother. Okay, And how we use context. That is why I've been using this issue from a Sharia perspective. Okay, This if you want to go to that extent, it's easy to just quote and then say, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. So, well, look, some people are saying, why don't you quote more? I'm not a student of knowledge. I keep touching upon that point. But then you start quoting hadith. So decide yourself. Are you using hadith and Quran and Sunnah to prove your points or are you not? Because if you're not, then stay away from it. If you just want to come from your personal perspective, Okay, but when you keep saying, look, I will do it when I see it fit, I will do it when it, you know, it works for me, and then um, anyone needs to correct me, let them correct me, that's not a good stance to take upon, brother. Either you, the Islam is not something you play with. That, yeah, I can quote Quran and Hadith, but, oh, I'm not a scholar. I'm not, a, I'm not attacking your credentials. Did I say, brother, are you qualified? Have you, uh, do you can you show me your degree? Uh, which scholars have you studied with? Have we made the discussion about that? No, no. The discussion is about your understanding 
of divorced women and what the Sharia says about them versus your understanding of divorced women and what Red Pill says about them. So if you're quoting to me, um, quoting it from a Red Pill perspective, all right, man, good job for you. However, whatever statistics, studies anyone brings in needs to be pushed through a prism through a filter, which is Quran and Sunnah. When we look at the Sharia in general, the Sharia encourages to take care of women, does not make the distinction when taking care of women about divorce or not. Actually, there are many ayat. For example, Surah Nisa talks a lot about marrying which women. It talks about, about divorced women and the rules around them about idda and so on. Why? Because that's exactly what the Sahabas were doing. They were marrying and they were marrying divorce. All right, that's basically when polygyny comes in. Well, guess how many versions are going to be left after people start marrying? And there's divorce, and divorce is quite a lot. Does that mean now you're not going to marry women anymore? No, that's not correct. So we need to look at Quran and Sunnah, that understanding, not necessarily statistics or what you're trying to prove from, uh, from statistics. We need to look at what does the Sharia say about a divorced woman. Each case is specific. I would, if I would be in your place, I would be advising brothers to say, be careful, do your homework, vet them properly, make sure there's connection, make sure there's taqwa and this and that. That's as much as you can do, my brother. But to just say, well, you know, this study shows that women who have been married, you know, before or have body counts, as you call it, you can pair bond as well as a virgin woman. And hence, what do you think these men are going to think? Even before they even go, to marry if they hear oh i've been married before forget about five they're not going to think of numbers they're going to think of concept is she divorced yes yeah, she's divorced once yes so there's already a preconceived idea that divorce means bad okay brother mahdi keeps talking about it it's in the subconscious divorce is mad, bad or anyone else is talking about it right so what you're doing you're not solving a problem brother as you said i wake up every morning i do it for free my brother. Just solve a problem. You're not solving a problem. You're causing more problems. Men are not going to marry. Men are going to be scared. Men are going to care to take care of these women who left alone and single now, all these divorced women. What do you think, my brother, is going to happen in the society? What do you think these divorced women, be them Muslim or not Muslims, are doing? Do you know what they're doing? Uh, have you actually understood what they are doing? Are you solving a problem? No, you are not, brother. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but before I get to that, look, we've had a discussion now for over an hour. Do you agree or disagree with my position on divorces? I disagree with your position, divorces, 100%. Excellent. From the Quran and Sunnah perspective, it does not, it does not connect whatsoever. Excellent. Now, your answer is proof, evidence, testament to the fact that no matter what I say, there will always be brothers willing to run the risk of burning their hand so that the rest of us don't have to. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there can always be brothers who are going to succeed marrying divorced women. Right? Can, can you claim that that's not going to happen? So what are you trying to make? Which point? Hmm. My point is very simple. My point is this. Have we lost if, him? If you marry... You, you... Have, have we lost him? No, no, he's there. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. My point is simple, brother, brother Gabriel. <clears throat> On a bounce of probabilities, not possibilities, as you keep alluding to. You see, one of the funny things about human nature is that the less likely something is to happen, 
the more we gravitate towards it actually happening. Hence why so many people play the lottery. Everyone knows that it's next to impossible to win the lottery, and yet millions of people play the lottery. So this is one of the peculiarities of human nature, that the less likely something is to happen, the more we bank on it happening. Now, with a sister who has had multiple sexual partners, multiple failed divorces, the issue is not really with the divorce per se, because a woman could get married, not consummate the marriage and get a divorce. That's a different discussion, right? The issue is with the imprint, the sexual intimacy. And on a balance of probabilities, although there will be exceptions to the rule, you are more likely to have pair bonding issues with a woman who has a sexual past than with a woman who doesn't. All right, can I jump in here real quick? Bismillah, I didn't want to cut in the middle of the conversation, but there are a few things I want to say. So Bismillah, first and foremost, it is very, very beautiful and very important that we use thought experiments and that we even allude to extreme possibilities to bring home a certain point. But we need to be careful that we don't fall into a fallacious Bro, line. Bro, closer thinking. to the mic. All right. Bismillah. I turned it's clear off the to activity. Me. It's clear to me. Okay. Just yeah, it's clear. All right. So it's important that we don't fall into fallacious ways of thinking when we have these thoughts, thought experiments. For example, the thought experiment or the, the um, example you just gave, we go off of probabilities. Okay, 100%. Human, human beings are, are wired to do that. If you go off these statistics, majority of, of, of marriages end in divorce. Majority. So by a probabilistic standpoint, just don't get married. But that's so opposed to Islam. You're allowed to, but that's not recommended. And then there's no Muslims and then so on and so forth. This is why red pill in the present day as it stands is problematic because it pushes a lot of it pushes for men just not to get married, remain as a bachelor and play with different women. That's problematic. And now with the example you gave, that's before, just problematic. That's haram. Exactly. 100%. And this is the issue when we delve into all these issues and the root of what we're saying is not is, is coming from Islam. And I'll, I'll explain. So First, let me let me talk about this other uh, proposition you gave before this this thought experiment. You had two women who are equal in all ways, except one has been divorced a hundred times and one is a virgin, or she's only been divorced five times. Now, this this is going to get a bit philosophical, right? But think about it like this: if they're equal in all ways, it doesn't matter who you marry, and if you're inclined to one over the other, then they're not equal. They're not equal in all ways. The fact that you're more attracted to one because she was married less proves that they're not equal in your eyes in terms of beauty. And in terms of attractiveness so to kind of derive a objective truth from such thought experiment is something we should avoid because it, it leads you down you know basically the uh, false you're absolutely wrong here Akhirami, and i'll explain to you why because i could have proposed those two sisters to you without you having seen them and i simply say to you okay rami i have a database of women thousand women on my database i run a marriage business marriage website these are the list of sisters and then we whittle it down to two. You've never met them. You don't know what they look like. And you and I show you their credentials, their history and so on. Yeah. And then I say to you, Rami, which one do you prefer to explore a discussion with? And then you make your decision and your choice. Yeah. Let me, let me be more clear. It's When I said attractive, I don't mean in terms of the gaze. If you somewhat, if, let's say you've never seen them, right? But the one who's married less is more attractive you're using yourself as a measuring stick to determine that. So if you find someone married less is more attractive, then they're not equal. That's my point. That's I didn't use point. myself as the measuring stick. I asked Brother Gabriel, what was his preference? Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and if, if, 
if non uh, ma women who have been married before is a more attractive proposition to a man which yalla habibi come on don't cap then the whole line in jannah would i don't want to say it you know they're pure untouched why is that such a thing for a man why are men so uh inclined towards the untouched so this is clear this is adi. let's not try and play with words I mean, I'm, you are right in saying that, my brother, that the Hurlain are basically pure and untouched. Okay, you're talking about Jannah. Okay, we're also alcohol, which doesn't give you uh, sukara or you're not basically drunk, would be permissible. Yeah, and talk, many things will be permissible in Jannah. You were talking here about, let's not take the discussion to Jannah. We're talking here about dunya, and the Sharia is for the dunya. Things in the Sharia will not be applicable. desire here it's about you know practicality and about you know what problems you're causing by the position that you are holding many men will be scared to marry a woman where the talk about you know her past or divorce comes in which leads to a lot of divorced women who might be good women remain single you are saying that there is a probability here that you are alluding to is this pro probability, I want to reiterate, which I've already done a few minutes ago, and I want to ask you, haven't you said uh, the studies there? Is this probability, just from what you read, statistics, does it apply to Muslim women? Does it apply to, because as you know, when you do a study, be it psychology or whatever, culture gets taken place. It is one of the variables that needs to be controlled. Okay, does this apply to Muslim women who are divorced or are you talking about Western women? That is important for you to ask because you've been saying using the, the, the example of lottery and how people gravitate towards things that will not be achieved. You've also, comp uh, you know, you've also compared women to stickers. You know what I mean? Uh, I would be careful again, you know. Are we still alive because we've lost them? Uh, we're still alive, my brother. Yeah, go ahead. We're still alive. We're still alive, right? So, so basically, if you can... We're live on yeah, the it says live. Okay, all right. Yes, told them now. Should work. Yeah. So basically, do you remember anything from those probabilities, those stats, whether it applies to Muslim women or not? Okay, I'll come to that. So let's let me address your first one because you make a few points, so I write them down. So you mentioned sure. that it's not re relevant to the dunya because uh, that's dealing with the akhirah, with jannah. But I would disagree with you. It is relevant mm -hmm. to the dunya because that is what motivates us in the dunya whilst we are here for the akhirah. We have that innate desire to want that even whilst we are here in the dunya. So it's completely relevant, although that happens in the akhirah. That's the first point. The second point is this. You mentioned, does it apply to Muslim women? Well, my question to you is, what on earth is the difference? Aside from there is a huge difference. Tawhid, a huge difference. what's the difference in terms of the impact that it has on a woman when she is intimate with a man? And then leaves him, and then is intimate with a intimate with another man, and then leaves him. What's the difference? There is a huge difference, my brother. So you should have experience yes. of dealing with women in this way, as I also have experience of dealing with women. Not my personal anecdotal, but comparing notes with other men. So you should know, my brother, that there is a difference. That is exactly what you. And tell me what I'm telling you. I know from experience and also from the way, again, I want to reiterate the way the Sharia looks at things. Yes, there is a difference between a, uh, a woman who is a Muslim and a non-Muslim. From an Aqidah perspective, from a Sharia perspective, in the sight of Allah, 
perspective because everything, the foundation of a woman's ethics and morals in the end are Tawheed. Just because her name is Aisha or Fatima and it says in her passport that she's a Muslim and maybe she prays does not necessarily fulfill all her requirements, okay? There's a lot more that comes from Tawheed in terms of ethics and morals. So, yes, there's a huge difference between a woman who's a Muslim and has been divorced and a woman who's a non-Muslim and who's been divorced because you're quoting the statistics. It is a variable that needs to be... stats, they will look at, number, uh, at culture. Uh, specifically, when it comes to women, they have different cultures. I do agree with Brother Mahdi and Brother Fayyad that feminism is bleeding into the ummah. It is hurting us. I am fighting it on my channel. You are trying to fight it. Many others are trying to fight it. Let's make sure we fight it correctly because you will be pushing people away from Quran. So as Ali radiallahu said, do you, are you going to say things that make people de deny Allah and his messenger? If we look at the way of preaching, I'm a preacher, I'm not a preacher for yourself or a talib al-ilm or not, it doesn't matter. You're responsible. You get on a platform, you got followers, you say, call Allah, call Rasul, and then you say, call Rolo Tomas, you call, I don't know, whichever person you want to quote. You're responsible, bro, for what you're claiming. You are causing a huge problem within our community if you're going to maintain the uh, arguments that that basically will not forget about the women, what the women have. The women, as we know very clearly uh, from, you know, some of the hadith of the Prophet wasallam of denying the, you know, the, the goodness of the husbands, all these things that are clearly stated in the hadith, we don't water it down, bro. I've been quoting and talking about this. I've been getting heat. Forget about the heat that you get from women. My problem with you is what you are actually telling brothers to do. In your own words, head for the hill. Run to the hill. Don't even consider these women. My argument is Islam doesn't teach you like that. Okay, the closest thing, the most important thing is taqwa. You take the woman, you analyze her lifestyle. She's not a kafira. She's not, you cannot put in the same plate as an American woman with all due respect. There's even differences between the Muslim American women and Muslim British women. Muslim British women and Muslim Malaysian women or Muslim Indonesian women, Muslim uh, Saudi women or Khalija women. There's a difference, my brother. So yes, as a counselor, I can tell you that there's a difference. If you want to take social psychology or experimental psychology and their principles, there is a difference. You have to have controls. You have to have variables that are controlled. There is a difference, my brother, for sure. Okay. Allah, let's, let's begin then. Bismillah. <clears throat> uh, do you have any employees in your employee? Do you employ anyone, Akhi Gabriel, in your practice? I do. Right. Yes. And when you employ them, do you look at their CV or what's your vetting process to ensure that you employ someone who's suitable? Mm. My vetting process is basically uh, my interview with them. So all the employees that I have, Ibra Sheikh Ibrahim Downey, Sheikh Abdul Hab Salim, Sheikh, uh, uh, Sheikh Shadi Yassin, uh, Sister Shahinda, all these people I've known for more than 10 years. Actually, Sheikh Ibrahim, 20 years. Okay, good. So, so that's, that's what I've employed. Okay. Oftentimes what people happens... People comfortable with them. Oftentimes what happens in a business setting, if you are to go to, to apply for a job, is the first thing the employer will ask you is for your CV. 
and they will ask you for references, typically two, of your previous employers. Why? Because the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. So if you have a sister who's been through multiple failed either divorces or sexual experiences, whichever of the two, and she has a track record for that, the best indicator of her future behavior is what already has come before her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're done. Can I answer? Okay, brother. All right, you're again applying um, a total different principle to marriage. And also you're applying a non-Islamic principle to our discussion. Uh, if you look at the past of a person, be it them sleeping with different people in a marriage, not in zina, or even if it's in zina, okay? In the end, the person who makes tawbah, the person who has come back to Islam, who wants to do it correctly, is not something that you can blame them from. The Prophet ﷺ married uh, divorcees. He has married uh, women who were, uh, you know, uh, sorry, uh, women who've, who've, you know, who, who are, uh, their pa husbands passed away. He's married different variety of women. Now, I know your argument on that. We can get to that in a minute. But what I'm trying to say, your past in Islam, it's not just like that, like a CV. You cannot a marriage, just a CV. Are there elements of that, of looking at the past uh, experiences? What if those, um, the checks that you make, you take two references. What if, okay, uh, they say, hey, man, she's a good woman. She's been divorced by, she was uh, married to the first guy who was a druggie. And yes, again, based on my practice, Many women end up with men who are horrible, abusers, drug addicts. They don't pray. So she's been divorced the first time. Or even herself, she left the first marriage. Okay, she took khula, for example, because the guy was doing um, drugs. The second marriage, for example, he was basically a person who didn't pray. Okay, he didn't pray at all. He started not believing in Allah. So she took divorce again. What are you going to say about that? Is that her fault that she was married to two guys, that she has a body count of two? Are you going to dismiss that? Just be Are we still there? Of what happened in the past. And this, woman, and this woman, yes, we're still there. And this woman is trying her best to do the right thing and get married again. Is she written off, Brother Mahdi? She has no more right to get married? Good. Or good you question. need to really look at it and understand. This is a good question. So you've mentioned a couple of different uh, situations, scenarios. A sister who is married to a man who doesn't pray. A sister who is married to a druggie, right? On a balance of probabilities, not possibilities, how likely is it that a sister is going to be married to a druggie? Very likely right now, brother, in this time. You, you, you know, many counselors will tell you that. That there are okay, many well, men well, who do not pray. Wait, wait. Uh, let's let's if we go back to the issue of prayer if you look right now talk to the ulama look at the muslim countries take sample populations from the masajid speak to people and see how many people pray five times a day okay then you will see that a lot of women are married to brothers who are not praying man and sure a lot of women I'm sure are married are. to i'm sure there hmm. are my question to you okay. was are they the majority or the minority who okay you mentioned the druggie is that the majority of men in this world who are druggies or a minority of men? 
No, they're not the majority. Most likely they're a minority. So once again, you're alluding to a possibility, not a probability. Okay, and I've asked you for you to cite those studies of the probability. And whether you're applying it correctly. You're talking here about also when you are saying, uh, this woman has five body counts. This woman has only, she's a virgin. You're also talking about possibilities, whether this marriage will fail or not, or will succeed or not. Okay, you're talking about possibility because... The reality is you need to look at each woman specifically, look at her taqwa, look at her past, look at why she's been divorced, look at what are the circumstances around this. You cannot just preach to people just kind of, you know, openly in general that, hey, be careful of women with high body counts. Be careful because that's what you call in divorce. Now, you haven't defined high body counts. You've used the term 100. I would agree that 100 is something extreme. But you're basically, brother, when you look at your videos, you look at your arguments, okay? Don't get caught up in details. You're basically telling people, do not marry divorced women. Be careful. Run to the hill. So the divorced woman is sitting there and saying, but I'm not what Mehdi's saying. I'm not like that. It wasn't my choice even to divorce. By the way, the divorce is usually in the hand of the woman, of the man. Sorry. He's the one. So in general, most of the divorces would come from talaq. Even from my experience as a counselor, most of the divorces. You quoted a study, which I would like to see again, whether it applies to the Muslim ummah and Muslim women who follow Quran Sunnah and who believe in Allah. 80% of divorces are initiated by women. Where? Which setting? What variables? Which women does it apply to? If I bring you the study, would it change your opinion? No, but it will make my point. It will make my point that you have misquoted. You've used it the wrong way. You're applying these studies to Muslim women. Do you see why I don't bother bringing studies? Because as you just mentioned, if I bring it, it still won't convince you. So it's it's useless. But we can have that discussion and I can bring you those studies. Okay, I have a question for you. I have a question for you, brother. I'm coming, I'm coming. Because you, you've mentioned a lot of points, so I have to go through them. But as you just mentioned, Akhi, whether I bring it or not is inconsequential to you. You don't care because you have your opinion, which is no, fine. It's not. No, it's not. I, that's why no, it's I don't. Not. That's why I don't uh, rest too heavily on bringing studies and statistics to a debate because people don't care, right? Now you mentioned a few things. <clears throat> if you agree, Achi, that being that a woman who has been married in the extreme example to a hundred men prior is something that is undesirable then every single number that gets closer to that extreme is also undesirable, right? So 99 is better than 100, but 98 is better than 99, and 97 is better than 98, on and on, until we come all the way back to the sister who's never been married before. So each time she marries or has slept with, depending whether it was in halal or not, doesn't matter, the point is the sexual experience. Each time she goes through another body, okay. we get closer to that extreme. So now we have established mm -hmm. that this is undesirable. Now, one mm -hmm. of the super chats that uh, was brought up just now, brought up a, a point that actually I wanted to bring up, so Jazakallah khair, I forget his name. And he mentioned, actually I'll rephrase it, because how I wanted to ask it was different. It seems to be okay for sisters to have their standards when it comes to choosing a brother. For example, I don't want to marry a broke brother. I don't want to marry a brother who's less than five foot seven. 
I don't want to marry a brother who's not ambitious. Mm. I don't want to marry a brother who's not broke, but he's average. He only earns $36,000 a year, which is the, the US average. I don't want to marry a brother like that. And nobody bats an eyelid. And yet, when a Muslim man comes forward and stands on his square and says to other Muslim men, you too must also have standards. And it is undesirable for you to marry a woman who has a sexual experience. Why? Because it is more likely on a bounce of probabilities that the marriage will break down with her than it is with someone who's never been married before. Please answer us that. It's a very good brother Mahdi. You keep contradicting yourself. You're saying I'm not going to bring the statistics up, but you keep alluding to the statistics. You just done that five minutes, answer, uh, five seconds ago. Question, you keep answer the question. I, I I I am answering the question. I am answering. You cannot restrict me to what I have to say. I am answering your question. You keep saying that I'm not going to bring the statistics because it's not going to show or it's not going to change your mind. If you can show me the point of bringing up the statistics, brother, you're trying to prove your point. I just done 15 seconds ago. You keep bringing up and saying the issue of the statistic of the probability versus possibility you have repeated this in this debate at least 10 times is why i'm asking for the statistics is to understand the study itself whether it can be used as a proof or not if you can show me that this is something that is applicable to muslim women then we need to step back and say man we have a problem and now all these divorced muslim women we have to put them in the same position. Okay, let's but you are using let's studies. Let's you are you. Let's hang wait, on. wait. Let me let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. So you are you are using the study incorrectly, and then you're saying no, I don't need to use the study because it's not going to change your opinion. But you keep going back to the study. I'm asking you, give us the study. Let us understand your study that you're making your points on. Let us understand the uh, you know who it applies to, which culture. Muslim women, non-Muslim women, and so on and so forth, okay? The issue of undesirability, to go to your question, oh, if it's 99, it's closer to 100. Gabriel, brother, you're going to move on to another point, and we have to address the first one, okay? So you mentioned uh, the study and so on and so forth. Okay, I don't have the study to hand. I can bring it for you, but as I, we have just established, it won't make the blindest bit of difference to you. However, you, you have mentioned... How can it, uh, does it affect Muslim women? I just told you that or, well. Or is, it, or is it just non-Muslim women? And I'm surprised that you think there would be a difference. But I will give you a scenario, a situation, perhaps to make this, this uh, analogy clearer. What if you have a non-Muslim woman who has a past, she has a, a big sexual past, and it has affected her. And then she embraces the deen, she re reverts to the deen, and she becomes a Muslim. Are you now telling me all of that baggage and damage that has happened to her miraculously disappears as she becomes a Muslim? Mm -hmm. In the sight of Allah, it does. I in our sight, in our sight, my question is not in the sight of yeah, Allah. My question is should. in the sight of the 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 people. Has her baggage and damage mm -hmm. disappeared or no? Her past has not disappeared, no doubt, what has happened. However, my brother Mehdi, you have to understand that I would look at the person and how Islam has affected her. I would vet her. It's Again, you're talking about a possibility here, just in your words. You are... It's possibilities, okay? So that doesn't really count. What I'm trying to say, yeah, there is a possibility that... It might not affect her. There's a possibility it will affect her. I will have to look at each case specifically. There might be a sister who has her past and her baggage carries on into her Islam. 
I've worked with new Muslims for many, many years, and some of them do carry their baggages into the present, and some don't. And we look at the Sahaba and the Sahabiyat, all of them had some past, man. And when they embraced Islam, did they look at each other? And they knew each other, my brother. They used to see each other making tawaf naked. They used to see some of the women of Mecca, and I'm sure brothers with the seed of the Prophet in Jahiliya, they would make tawaf naked. In Jahiliya, <clears throat> they would stand at the door with the door open, which would allow a man to come in, have sex with her. Not just a man, more than one man. And then when finally she gets pregnant, she would call one and she would say, you are the father. And the culture would accept it. These are the people who converted to Islam, my brother. These are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, radiyallahu anhum wa raduan. Okay? These are the people who married each other and they did not hold it against each other. You're talking about a lot of possibilities, brother Mahdi. Causing a problem in the ummah because you are discouraging men from marrying paying attention, uh, vetting, and making sure that the process of vetting, you mentioned standard for women. I agree with you, man. Men should have standards. Should they discriminate and just write a woman off, if you are saying, based on divorce, based on her divorce, or how many men she's been married to, uh, or she had a past, or this and that? Actually, you shouldn't even know the past, especially if someone has made tawbah. You shouldn't dwell into that. If someone comes and tells, hey, bro, look, man, there's this and this and this. You need to look at that. I don't disagree. I don't say no. Turn a blind eye and don't. You need to vet. You need to look. You need to look at taqwa, understanding of Islam. You need to look at who she is today because of Islam. And just because she's been divorced before, you're going to run to the hill. She's going to be left alone. She, you think she's going to behave? You think she's going to? What does a woman told us, take care of women. Take care of women. There are so many injunctions in the Sharia about women. Not just that. Towards closer to the, uh, the Day of Judgment, towards the end of times, a man will be responsible for tens of women. Responsibility, my brother. If you're preaching responsibility, I'm sorry, man, but you are not. I would reiterate to you my nasiha to my dear brother Mahdi Atijani is to reconsider your stance and your positions. Study some Islam. Look at the correct usage of the terms that you're using. If you don't want to represent Islam, don't quote. Then make sure you look at which uh, population do these studies uh, uh, apply to. Don't just generalize them to all the Muslim women. Just reevaluate your position, fix a few things, and then preach to people to, yes, I understand, bro. You're fighting feminism. I'm with you. Okay, but if you're fighting divorced women and you are using this red pill type of mentality to prove your points and then you're painting it with Quran and Sunnah, I think you're doing a big disservice to not only the Muslim women, but to the community at large. Because this ummah is an ummah. If these women are alone, they're suffering. Responsible, not only for the virgin that you are marrying, but for all the women. What if your mother or your sister or your cousin is a divorced woman, and maybe she's gone through a bad marriage. You're not going to take care of her? There's responsibility. Throughout the life of the Prophet ﷺ, you want to look at af'al and aqwal. Al-hadith, yani, huwa ma ja'anna nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, okay, kana taqriran sifa. This is a hadith. His sayings, his words. Oh, which one takes precedence? 
it doesn't matter in this discussion is that both are valid the prophet married divorcees who had body counts not just that maria the copt his slave woman Juraria, other than that they're coming as slave women bro they had body counts okay they had body counts trust me okay people might not be comfortable to listen to this did the prophet said well you have a high body count i'm not gonna pair bond with you he was a rajul which i encourage many men inshallah to stand up and be let's be rijal i'm not saying close your eyes and say man you know all these women we just married them all no 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 i'm saying this each case is different use a better judgment and better principles better kawaid better principles that are in line with all right brother gabriel let, let's stop let when you we're moralizing a bit now let's stop moralizing and just get back down to the intellectual nuts and bolts okay do you see what the danger is with your message Achi gabriel do you see it i do not see the danger my brother i'm responsible for i said it's no danger maybe to you but not to 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 the ummah i'll explain to you what the danger of your message is Achi, because you are essentially almost when a sister who is going through some type of difficulty with her husband here's this type of message that you have just said that the brothers should take and you know help and so on and so on and so forth and she is having issues with her husband not major ones because most women don't have major issues they have small issues that accumulate over time into a mountain right that's most of us she hears someone like you say brothers should step up to the plate and take on these divorces what type of impact do you think that's going to have on her her endurance to want to continue staying in her marriage and keeping the family unit with her children and i emphasize the word children because they are the ones who are hurt the most in divorce so what type of impact do you think this has on that sister who is considering leaving her husband when she hears a message like you have just delivered of how it is upon us as Muslim men to marry these divorcees, you know, and not worry about their past and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you very much. Um, have you made this point based on statistics or probabilities or is this a personal anecdote? No, it's, it's a question. I'm asking you a question. What type of impact do you think it will have on a sister who hears brothers saying, brothers, marry divorcees, marry divorcees, whilst she is unhappy in her marriage? Okay, do you, do you see the problem with your question, how illogical it is? Because you would ask me to get into the mind of a woman. And if you know the answer to this question, you would be saying that you're getting into the mind of a woman. Unless you're going to prove with some statistics or some probabilities or whatever you're trying to make a point here, it's irrelevant, bro, what kind of impact will it have? Do you have experiences with women to know how they think when they hear someone like me speaking like that? You made this point against Brother Hams as well because you said the same thing in your video uh, reacting to him. It makes no sense, my brother, because you don't know what a woman thinks. Can you say that all... Your brother, and maybe the women can comment on the on this chat. What is their reaction when they hear someone like me saying, "Bro, it's you know you should marry, taking care women of you should take care happy. of divorce women." This, they will be very happy with this statement. And and and, and, and I'm ho I hope they are happy, my brother, because you have to understand, bro. The Prophet sallallahu has advised us to take care of women, and he did not make distinction 
okay, specific distinction. I know that you have made a distinction between a divorcee and a widow. We can get to that debate if you want. But if you check alam, the Quran, the Sunnah, okay, in general, is to take care of women. There's a problem in our Muslim community. And the problem that we should be addressing, be it Fayyad, myself, three Muslims, anyone else, is how feminism is, is bleeding into our ummah. To stop that. What you are doing is basically you are attacking the wrong thing, my brother. You're focusing on the wrong thing. And you're giving me these philosophical questions as, as if I were to get into females' minds and answer this question. So I don't know what they feel. Can you answer? Can, okay, let me twist that. Can you answer what do they think? What do they think when they hear me talking like this? Respectfully, Brother Gabriel, you're dodging a simple question. You know what the answer is. But the question doesn't serve your argument very well. So if this is a simple question with a simple answer. My brother. If a sister hears that there's a, a encouragement in the community, brothers, married divorces, married divorces, encouraging. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the permissibility, mm -hmm. the halala. Of course it's halala. I'm not disputing that. I'm talking about openly encouraging. Think. What type of impact will that have on a discontented sister? Now, let's leave that because if we can't agree upon that, there's no point in beating a dead horse. But uh, do, you know, do you know what the, 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 my main concern is with regards to marriage? Are you familiar why I am so big on vetting and what to avoid and what to look for and so on? Are you aware of what is my main motive? Um, please uh, enlighten me, my brother. My main motive is the nuclear home. It's not a vendetta against divorcees. I do not have a vendetta against them. My main motive is if a man marries a woman, he wants to ensure that he is going to marry a woman who represents the greatest probability of making that marriage a success so that when they have children, the children are raised in a nuclear home. Now, I hope you wouldn't disagree with me that children raised in single-parent homes, particularly single-mother homes, are at a huge disadvantage. And don't, I can hear that, I can sense the chat already. Go and read The Boy Crisis by Dr. Will Farrell, who's done extensive research on this, okay? Children raised in single-parent homes are at a huge disadvantage to children Agreed. raised in nuclear homes. Tamam. Agree. So my vendetta is not against women or a particular segment of women. My war is against divorce, period, because most divorces happen, happen for trivial reasons. The examples you have quoted of the druggie and, you know, the other examples you cited, they happen. And if that's the case, I'm with you, 100%. But on a balance of probabilities, that's most likely not the reason why a woman pulled the plug on her marriage. Now, I say why the woman, because for most Divorces are initiated by the sisters. Now, you're going to say to me, where's your statistics? In your previous po podcast that you were reacting to my uh, reacting to me with the other sisters, you mentioned that in the Khalij, I, I don't know, know which country, that khul has become like changing your shoes. It's become like changing your shoes. So my vendetta is not against divorces or a particular demographic of women. My vendetta is against children being raised in single parent homes. I have them in my inbox every single day. I have conversations with these men every single day. And the damage, as I'm sure you can relate to, is a counselor yourself who has much more experience than me. And I'm not a counselor, by the way. But you have much more experience and I'm much more qualified than me. I'm sure you can, uh, 
you can, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Attest to this fact, children being raised in single parent homes suffer. Thank you, brother. I, I do attest to that and you're right. I will agree with you on that. I will not agree with you on your vendetta. It's a, it's a very honorable thing that you're trying to stop people from getting divorced because you want And please do explain to us what the nuclear family is uh, in a second. But what your issue is, my brother, is that you are not given a solution for reality. Islam deals with reality. Okay, you are dealing hypothetically, and you're basically, uh, you know, you're 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 really a, a ahead of yourself because the reality is that divorce is always going to be there. You might, as you said, reduce a little bit to some of your lectures the basic bare fact that everyone can see is that divorce will be there, meaning divorced women will exist. To do with these divorced women, how to vet them. You don't. You're actually going, causing a bigger problem. Islam, that's what I'm saying. Let's go back to Quran and Sunnah. Because the objective... Wait, wait, wait. wait. My brother, my brother. I have to correct you here. You said I'm not offering a solution. I have offered the solution. I have presented the solution. Earlier on in this podcast, I asked you, do you agree with my position on divorce after having spoken for an hour? And you outright categorically said no. And then I said to you, excellent. No matter how much people like me speak about this discussion, there will always be other brothers willing to roll the dice with those type of sisters. That's fine. You do you. And that's okay. And you've had that intimate dialogue with me. Now, what do you think about the general person who's in the chat right now, who disagrees with me and hasn't had that intimate one-on-one -on -one discussion? He is even more unlikely to agree with me. So don't worry, Brother Gabriel. I remember, my dear brother. Rem hold on. I remember sitting in the class of Abu Sahib once as well, and um, one of the questions was, Sheikh, if money exchange office is haram, it's haram to run a money exchange office. Then who will run the money exchange when we go on holiday? If everyone took this opinion that it is haram, then who would do it? And Abu Sahib's answer was simple and concise. He said, "Don't worry, there will always be someone willing to burn their handful." So are you basically comparing what we are discussing now? You're making a very false qiyas or false analogy, my brother. We're talking here about divorce, not money exchange. That's the problem with you. You, talk, you compare, my brother, you compare. No, 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 I'm, I'm not missing the point. You're talking about stats from lotteries. You're talking about women being stickers. You're talking about uh, money exchanges. I'm talking about divorce. Islam offers a solution to what to do with divorced women. Okay, it is a is it is a specific solution. They have to look at each case and how to address this issue. A lot of divorced women in the community is not something that is encouraged in Islam. That's why polygyny is allowed. That's why the Prophet ﷺ and Sahaba, not only the Prophet ﷺ, because you can say, well, what's for the Prophet is not necessarily for us. The Sahaba, the Tabi'in, the Salaf, they have married divorced women. Okay, because they understood what it means to have a divorced woman running freely around, the Muslim one, in the community just like that. Be it she's 30, be it she's 35, be it she's 40, be it she's 20. It doesn't matter. So Islam, my brother, not you, gives a solution in Surah Nisa, in many of the hadith, the ahkam on how to deal with divorced women, how to select a woman, the ahadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his examples, all these things, my brother. It's not my personal
experience. I'm coming back again for how I started this discussion from a Quran and Sunnah perspective. You are coming in with quoting certain stats and so on, but when we call you to bring us and to tell us, is this applying to Muslim women specifically? You say, well, I can bring the stat. I can quote you this book. All right, no problem. We can wait for that. What I'm trying to say is, bro, you're causing a problem. You need to fix that. Islam fixes that. Not me. Islam fixes that. Not Jibreel. Not my counseling. Islam, the Prophet ﷺ fixes that. Islam addresses, has so many ahkam, okay, in Kitab nikah the Bab al-Talaq, in so many different, you know, ahkam and fiqh books, these issues are discussed as to how to deal with divorces, how to select a woman, what is this, what, never this, do they mention just body counts, stickers, uh, you know, exchange, uh, you know, money exchanges, they stick to real problems and real issues. And just to mention again, bro, that's the thing, you try to get in the head of people, you're asking me, what do you think a woman thinks when she hears what uh, your brother are saying? You're, you know, you're glorifying marrying divorced women. I'm telling you that this is Islam tells us to fix this problem, to make sure that women don't stay alone. There's a responsibility on men. What I would suppose women would think when they hear this, they have hope. They have hope not to leave their marriages, bro. That's between them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have hope that if they are divorced, we're not talking about the woman who is not divorced and she's toying with the idea, okay? No, I'm talking about here divorced women and what a Muslim man, how he should vet her, how he looks at a divorced woman, okay? And I think my speech and the way I approach it based on Quran Sunnah is to instill hope, okay? Bashiru, wala tunadhiru. Give glad tidings. Don't push people off. This is... Uh, Rasulullah when he enters Medina. Okay? You want to make sure people have hope that yes, there is hope. Allah is merciful. That Allah will forgive. That Allah should help us. That we should change ourselves. I think that we need to instill hope. I'm not seeing being unrealistic because I'm telling you what Quran Sunnah is saying. I'm also telling you what the Prophet Sallallahu and the Sahaba, if you're saying that this is only restricted to the Prophet, the Sahaba did the same thing because they learned from him. And the Salaf did the same thing, and the Tabayin, and the Muslim Ummah has been dealing with and working at it, be it successful or not, the outcomes in the end is part of your Qadr, is part of many things. What I'm trying is the solution, my brother. There are a lot of divorced women. When you talk the way you talk, my brother, is discouraging men from even trying, forget about Mary, for even going, considering the possibility, looking at their taqwa. Important other than the body count. So far, you're basically focusing on body count, which I believe is uh, very, very skewed, okay. my brother. What's the next discussion point? We've been yeah, yeah, pause, 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 pause. Um, I know that I had to dip out to the bathroom. Um, my bad for that. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. I'm loving it so far, guys. I gotta hit prayer. So if I don't make it back in time, I want to let all y'all know. I love y'all for the sake of Allah. And um, again, if I don't make it back, assalamualaikum. Okay, let's not bore the audience. Let's move on to the next point. What's the next discussion point you would like to talk about, Brother Gabriel? That's it, my brother. That's it. I just uh, advise you with, uh, you know, my sincere advice. I got nothing against you, my brother. You know, I think you are a very dynamic person. You are, an, you know, you're a smart guy. You read a lot. You know, just reevaluate your positions. I'm not saying all your points are wrong. 
I do feel that a lot of it comes from your personal experience, as you have mentioned in a lot of your videos, okay, even though you say it's irrelevant to the discussion, but you do bring it up in your videos. I'm just saying is reevaluate your position, uh, study a bit more, and I would say make your filter for how you see the world, Quran and the Sunnah, not red pill, not any other philosophy or understanding of life, make it Islam, okay, and I think you could preach to people uh, to build as opposed to, you know, uh, uh, you know, destroy. Uh, and I'm not very, saying that very, you are... That's a, word you've used. that's a very potent word you have used. Build instead of destroy. And I like that word. You know why I like mm -hmm. that word? Because if a man is going to get married to a woman, he's going to build a family. If he's going to get married to mm -hmm. a second wife, he's going to build another family. And we want to maximize. I agree. We want to maximize our probabilities of building families with women that are most likely to provide a man that. Barakallah May Allah subhanahu oh, yeah. bless you, Brother Mahdi. Honestly, uh, uh, I, 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 uh, I don't mm -hmm. want to praise myself or anything like that. But when the three Muslims approached me, when I watched your podcast, Fayyad can verify, I said I saw not many problems with it, right? I don't see the big uh, heat and so on. Because I saw you as an intellectual. A lot of the points you're making were valid. And I think you do have a lot of great points. Then it was just these two issues that I had you know, some issue with. Is my advice, my brother, you can do whatever you want, okay? Uh, we, we Muslims should be, inshallah, united towards uh, bringing Islam. As you said, building a family, maximizing. I know that we have a lot of common enemies, subhanAllah. And, uh, you know, this discussion was only to try to clarify some things. And I think people gave you a raw, raw deal. And even so, you know, whatever has happened in your past, bro, everyone's got a past. Okay, uh, I wouldn't put it out there for people because people are very judgmental. They will write you off. I know you don't care about people, and I, I respect that, bro. I like that about you, that you could care less about what people say. But, you know, I would say that just care about what you say and how it could help people. It could help people to maybe build this, uh, you know, this, this ideal that you have or this uh, uh, very honorable you know, endeavor to build a nuclear home, to build families, to reduce divorce. I'm with you, bro. May Allah put barakah in that for you. I mean, Ajma'in. Jazakallah khair. Allah ibarak fiqh, ya Fayyad, Rami. <laughs> Waiting for you. Rami, bro. I know Rami got thoughts. Uh, subhanAllah. I mean... Every time there's a discussion like this, my mind, usually when I'm in that kind of mode and like really mm -hmm. reflecting, there's a million things I want to say. I cannot cut off the brothers while they're speaking. Yeah. This is, you know, to be frank, mainly between the two of them. Uh, so Alhamdulillah, may Allah, you know, allow good, khair and barakah to come out of it. Um, anything I have to say, I feel like the, the two things I actually wrote down are um, kind of reiterations of what Gabriel was saying. So uh, I'll say them, you know, for the sake of inshallah. But basically, it's that, Everything in life, every single thing is an Islamic matter. Every, there's not a single thing on the face of the earth that you can bring that's not an Islamic matter. Everything is. And this is how we have to live our life. This is how we have to take the deen. And even in the example of Fayyad Fit, may Allah bless him and his, his fitness and his um, ventures, inshallah. I mean, but even in the example of Fayyad Fit, even everything he does has to be Sharia compliant. Everything he does has to be within Islam. And if it were to come to a point one day, where it has become an ideology, a cult, and it's un-Islamic, then you have to denounce it. You are obligated to denounce it for the sake of Islam. 
Because the only deen Allah accepts is Islam, alhamdulillah, at the end of the day. He will have to denounce that which is conflicting with the religion. But just, okay, look at Islam. Islam has many sects, right? Just because something has been innovated in Islam, do I now denounce the whole religion? No. I denounce what is the bid'ah, what is wrong, and I keep stick to the rest. So in this example, if something happened to Fayyad's fits, uh, you know, organization, he has to denounce that bit and keep the rest. I agree. Yo, I agree. Gabriel, Gabriel, what is the Shara'i consequence of somebody saying something like this? Of what? Sorry, say again. In the, the chat. Uh, that whoever you, says Mahdi is not Muslim on this, uh, on this chat, this is horrible. Is not Muslim. Like, if people say that. The Prophet said, the Prophet said, one of them will become that. Okay. SubhanAllah. Be careful, man. Brothers and sisters, you know, that's the problem with these spectators, you know, who have, uh, you know, sadly just come here as entertainment. We're not here as entertainment, my brothers. You think this chat has been put as an entertainment or this thing? Please fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and retract that. Apologize because this is totally, totally, totally unacceptable. Okay. So. Yeah, 100%. Basically saying that if you do takfir on someone and they are a Muslim, then you yourself are a kafir. So 100%. This is something that's been done. Honestly, on a lar large scale, unfortunately. Something we have to avoid, inshallah. Um, to make my point more clear, I said when it becomes an ideology, you have to denounce it. When it becomes an ideology, at that point, you have to denounce it. Because now you're taking a deen other than Islam. That's my point. Whether it has or hasn't, I don't want to argue about like you know specifics. Every case has its specific hukum. And uh, lastly, what I want to say is, Islam needs to be done by the scholars, right? I'm, I'm, I wouldn't even comment. Like I am a student of knowledge, alhamdulillah, in the sense I'm learning, but I'm not a qualified person anyway. Everything that I say, I've learned from my teachers who are qualified, alhamdulillah. So when we bring a hadith, when we find a hadith, and we derive a ruling or a statement or advice or something from the hadith, we have to be very careful because it's very possible. And I would even say likely that the conclusion you come to is unsound because you don't understand the usul behind the fiqh. You don't understand the usul behind the hadith. And this is why we have scholars because they do study it. They spend their lives studying it and no one can master everything. So we go to specifics of that field. Now me as a layman, I can't take one hadith out of all the Quran and all the hadith and then come to a conclusion based off of that without any credentials or anything like that. So that's just my final point. That as Muslims, we are literally obligated to give this respect to the deen. Every, like me, you, and, and everybody here. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. 100%. All right. I don't think this will be the last conversation, but I do think tonight it's coming to an end. It's getting hella late, bro. I think it's like 1 or 2 a.m. for uh, Mahdi. This is very fruitful. And Brother Gabriel, appreciate your time. Very nice. You know, it is important that we present different ideas and then sharpen them on a public public platform. If you think of a knife, when you want to sharpen a knife, you take the sharpener, I don't know what you call it, the thing that sharpens a knife, and you apply pressure from the right, from the left. That's how the knife becomes sharp. Mm -hmm. If you only apply pressure from the right, eventually it will just fall over. But when you apply pressure from the left, we can sharpen our argument, our understanding, and hopefully get a clearer picture of you know what's correct and what's not. So Jazakallah khair for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Jazakallah khair for your time. Barakallah khair, Barakallah khair, Allah bless you. I mean, Jazakallah khair. Alright, guys. If you guys made it this far, smash that like button. We will have more discourses like this. This is not the end. 
Um, and yeah, guys, no hate, no no shade, no pettiness, no, okay, uh, Mahdi won, Gabriel won, none of this. Like, guys, if you want truth, we're here to do our best. That's it. And may Allah, you know, decide that on the on the final hour. I mean. Allahumma ameen. Right, alhamdulillah, with that being said. Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa kina adab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.